0: Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast, where birders talk birding. Well, it has been a challenging time for the world as a whole, and we little subset of the world, birders, have been challenged by this too uh social interaction is a big part of birding. We like to get together, we have fun, we talk to each other, we go on trips together. That's just not happening these days where I live. I live in uh, Tacoma, Washington, right near the the original outbreak of the uh 19 uh uh pandemic that uh started in the US right here in uh, the Puget Sound area. So, uh it's been a battle for everyone. Uh and I uh I hope you all staying well, finding ways to Get outdoors a little bit, maybe see a bird here and there, but staying safe. This is a really incredibly challenging time. It's brought up a lot of uh, uh, you know ethics questions. You know, I I saw an interesting one the other day. Should you report? Uh, should you uh, post? Your, your findings to eBird uh, or on a listserv or other places of a rear bird that you find now. Is it ethical to uh, put up something that's going to tempt birders to congregate in an area where it might be challenging to stay uh, socially uh, distant? Uh, it, that's a, a good question. I hadn't really thought about that. I have to say I've still been posting my findings on eBird, but Lately, I haven't found anything so spectacular that's going to prompt a whole lot of birds to go chase it. But that is a good question. Uh, I have to say, I've been getting out some. I haven't certainly haven't been calling my friends, going birding like I normally would do. But I've been getting out. Uh, it's pretty easy. A lot of the places that I go birding are places a lot of people don't congregate. There are parks and trails and places that just are not popular. Uh, among the general populace, uh, and now that burgers are even getting out less, it's not uncommon for me to go to a place where I don't see another soul, or certainly don't see anyone within meters and meters distance, uh, and it's pretty easy to take a fork in the path and keep good distance between me and other people. But even the minor nuances of you know, does stay at home mean really just completely lock yourself in your home and stay at home and don't go outdoors at all? Uh, does it mean it's safe to travel short distances to remote places where there's nobody else around? That's certainly social distancing, but it's not the letter of the law of stay home or you know shelter in place or various ways that uh, various ways that uh, the um, local authorities are asking us to to not spread this virus to each other. So those are all good, valid questions. uh, And I'm open to hearing people's point of view. There's certainly been a lot of that on on the uh, uh, tweeters, the uh, Washington listservs through the UW. There have been a lot of points of view of that. I've seen lots of comments on Facebook and other places. So it's really been a controversial subject, without any doubt. Uh, But, you know, I'm trying to still get out, uh, you know, the, uh, in Washington here, we're encouraged to go for a walk. Well, going for a walk and going for a walk with binoculars is not a whole lot different. So I've, I've been uh, considering birding my exercise, my mental health, and still getting some birding in. Certainly trying to be super safe doing it, though. Anyway, uh, I uh, am a little bit off track here this week in terms of birding. haven't been birding as much myself, and my guest this week is not so much a birder as a bird rehabilitator. You know, all of us have found injured birds and sort of wondered what to do. Do we try to save them? Do we not try to save them? How do we do that? Well, there are certain people, certain groups that do animal and especially bird rehabilitation. Take injured birds in, nurse them back to health, try to get them healthy and free flying and released again. Uh, And uh, I came across uh, Susie Gilbert. Susie is a writer and a bird rehabilitator. And she wrote, she's written a couple of novels and a children's book. And uh, I uh, heard about her and uh, we got in touch. And she agreed to be my guest on the Bird Banner podcast this week. So you're going to hear a little different perspective about birds this week than usual. But she's a terrific guest. I had a lot of fun talking with her, learned some things, read her most recent novel, which is quite a good book. Unflappable by Susie Gilbert. I, I got it on my Kindle. Downloaded from Amazon. It's available however you like to buy books. Uh, and uh, I enjoyed that a lot. So maybe you'll check that out too. Anyway, help me welcome to the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 55 Susie Gilbert. Susie, welcome to the Bird Banner Podcast. Thanks for coming on with me today. Hi, Ed. It's so nice to be here. Thank you. It is, uh, and it's uh, special. I get to talk to an author today. Uh, uh. Authors are sort of revered in my uh, my scheme of things. You know, if you can write, I my my wife before she passed, she was uh, in advertising, and she always said uh. writers rule. So I always have respect for writers of all sorts. Oh. So that's uh, a <laughs> writer's rule. Writer's rule. Good. Uh, so Susie, you are a, a bird rehabber, a bird or two, I but a am. bird rehabber first and foremost. Tell me about that. How did, I mean, uh, in my wildest dreams, I couldn't imagine being introduced to bird rehab out of nowhere. How did that happen? Well, <laughs> I was sort of introduced to it out of nowhere.
1: Um, I, I was living in New York City, and I moved uh, to the Hudson Valley. And a friend of mine, knew that I had always been into animals, not necessarily birds, but animals. And so he said, you should just go up and check out the Hudson Valley Raptor Center. It was an hour from me. And Ooh. I went, I figured, uh, you know, it'd be good for an afternoon. And I went to visit and I saw this enormous flight cage with red tails in it. And I had never seen a bird of prey close up like that. And it, they just blew me away. They'd, I think I fell in love immediately <laughs> and the woman who ran the center I think she could she could spot a potential volunteer <laughs> or board member as it turned out <laughs> and and uh and fill in the blank I think I did everything for 11 years but she said she said you like these birds don't you and I said yeah I really do and she said wait I have something for you and she went into her clinic and came back out and Put a nestling screech owl in my hands.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: And that's, I said, all right, I give up. How, how many days a week do you want me? <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So you
0: volunteered there or you worked there or what
1: was your role there? I started out as a volunteer and then I worked there. I became a board member. I did education programs, I did bird care, um, I wrote their newsletter. She said, "Oh, you're a writer. We need
0: a writer." <laughs> Were you a writer before this? Was that your profession? Yes, I did. I was a writer before. And what uh, what sort of work did you do in writing before that?
1: I wrote just about everything. I wrote. I wrote a couple screenplays. I wrote articles. Um, I I did a lot of sort of grab grab bag jobs, and um, you know, I always had a. a Knack for writing, but I never really put it to to that much of a good use. Although, you know, I guess writing screenplays was it was it was good, but I was doing
0: it from New York instead of L.A. Um, So, so a baby Eastern screech owl got you a writing gig. Very cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: in a way, and you know, nonprofits always need writers because they need to put out newsletters, they need to put out fundraising letters, and you know, the trick is, if you are so hooked into what you're
0: writing about, you can get other people excited, which is- Yeah, pas- passion comes through. Oh, passion yeah. Passion comes through, doesn't it? Definitely. Very cool. So, so that morphed into uh, a, a newspaper column of some sort, you said. What was that all about?
1: I Yes. Um, so I, I was writing the newsletter for the Raptor Center, and I used to tell a lot of bird stories you know, the little, little stories about how, um, how the birds came in, what type of birds they were, you know, w- what accident had happened to them to make them need help. And as I did that, it just became, you know, first and foremost in my mind, what was causing the injuries to these birds. And I thought, you know, maybe what I could do is not only let people know, you know, that that uh, they need to be careful. They need to put decals on their windows. They need to not let their cats outside. They need to, you know, do all this kind of stuff. But maybe I could I could say it in a in an entertaining way and mm-hmm. get people who normally wouldn't read an environmental column. So um, we had a little newspaper chain near Rhinebeck, and mm-hmm. um, I pitched them an environmental column, and it was. My pseudonym was Elizabeth T Vulture
0: because I I read that we
1: had we had an unreleasable turkey vulture at the center, and Mm -hmm. I instead of my face I put her face. We I had a headshot of a turkey vulture, and I would just sort of rant about all the terrible things that humans were doing to the environment in the voice of a turkey vulture.
0: Oh, very cool!
1: It was just sort of snide and. Funny enough that people liked it,
0: mm-hmm. and uh, so it worked. <laughs> it worked. So you did that, and that it became through a, a series of local newspapers. So yeah. you did that, and and that uh, out of that somehow came a children's book. How, tell me about that. You know, I
1: don't even remember why that children's book came about. <laughs> it was it was published in 1996. It was a long okay. time ago, and. Yeah. I think I was just, I was writing a lot about birds and I was thinking of different ways that I could raise awareness and maybe raise some funds for the Raptor Center. And, you know, I loved illustrated children's books, but besides Owl Moon, I didn't, there there really weren't any. So Gosh. I wrote a, a book called Hawk Hill and uh, Chronicle Books published it and they paired me with their best-selling illustrator who's this wonderful wonderful illustrator oh, name Sylvia Long and
0: uh, and it was great. <laughs> it was great. So've I've got a new uh, niece um, uh, Martha is one year will turn one year old and needs a birthday present so is that oh. book still available? <laughs> it's it's
1: out of print but you can get it if you go okay. on you, know, I'll you maybe go on
0: use. Used bookstore or something? Okay. Yes,
1: you can. Well, there's always Amazon. You know, they always yes, have what, back copies of thinking.
0: everything. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. Yes, that would be cool. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll have that mailed to her. She's a like birder in the making. She, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I kind of failed at both of my children turning them into birders. Maybe I can get a, maybe I can get a grand niece too.
1: Oh well, I, you know, I, I failed too. I don't have any. I don't have bird rehabbers among my two children. <laughs> <laughs> I, I what did we do that. wrong?
0: <laughs> well, it, it sounds like you may have raised them in a bird rehabilitation center. That might have been part of it. <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> so so let's move from there. Uh, first of all, uh, you mentioned to me that you you bird a little bit, but you're not an avid birder. How much birding do you do? Um,
1: I would say well, I, I do a lot of hiking. I, yeah. I hike a lot. That's my sanity. And okay. I, you know, I look for birds. Um, I would not call myself a very good birder. (laughs) I don't have a life list. Um, I, I, you know, anytime a bird goes by, I want to see what it is. And I want to, I'd like to know what it is. But I think the difference with me is I'm, I'm used to fixing them. I mean, I Mm -hmm. don't necessarily ID them, but I can fix them. And when I was doing bird rehab, um, you know, my sometimes I would get birds in, and and I would have to take a picture and and call my birder friends and say what what is this? It's an LBJ.
0: Yeah, yeah, Uh, we all say that sometimes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's that's cool. So you uh, you left the the Hudson Valley Raptor Center and started your own. Owner rehab center. How, what prompted that? Uh, my kids were, I think
1: they were about seven and eight and mm-hmm. I wanted to spend more time home. Um, there things lots of things were changing at the Raptor Center and I thought maybe you know they had enough they had enough staff there. Maybe I could open a place at home and not necessarily do Raptors because Raptors yeah, require big flight cages. You know, in order to Mm -hmm. condition a bird of prey, you need a big, a big place. Right. And my house was, I had land, but it was hilly and rocky and there weren't, there was no big field where I could build a big cage like that. Mm -hmm. So I was just going to take in songbirds who could go straight into this very nice
0: flight cage that I built for Mm -hmm. song, you know, a smaller one for songbirds. So that's maybe the size of a bedroom maybe, or smaller or? Actually, it, it
1: was eight feet high, eight feet wide, and ten feet
0: long. Okay, like a small room, okay? To, yeah, and then is it made you know, with is it is it outdoors or indoors or what what does I'm trying to envision that? What does it look like? it's it's uh, outdoors. That was okay. the first one. and then I
1: built another one that was twenty feet long. Mm. And um they, uh, they're big, big spaces. And then you put you put all kinds of branches inside them. You put Root places the birds and, can, and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the thing is, you have to you have to put mesh inside them. They're made of uh, hardware cloth. You know.
0: Okay. Uh, yes.
1: Slats and then hardware cloth. With birds of prey, you can just put slats that are maybe a couple inches apart, and right. they can't get out because they're so big. But with songbirds, you need to protect them more so you put hardware cloth and then you have to line the hardware cloth with mesh because they if don't hurt they
0: themselves, yeah. yeah yeah they can fray their feathers right right so so you, you started out uh, small uh and uh, how how did that work <laughs> not well <laughs> uh it was like a bird bomb went off
1: i i i mean I was so determined to just stick to my rules and only take in the adults that could go right into the flight cage. And, you know, somebody had, oh, they found some nestlings or, oh, here's one with a broken wing. And here's, you know, there were just every time I made a rule, there was an exception to the rule. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do have a hard time saying no because um, there are not very many rehabbers around and there are no and a lot of times if you say no the bird
0: has nowhere to go so yeah. it's a death sentence yeah 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 so so you started that and how how does how do you do you do that out of personal funds do you raise money does it become a not-for-profit i'm just think yeah I'm, I'm a sort of a business guy a little bit how, how does that work
1: well, you need you need some startup money. I had some savings, and I started it up to pay for the flight cage and get all my my equipment, my my food, my medicine. But um, eventually, you need donations. I mean, unless you have unless you have a lot of money yourself, because this is an expensive thing. I mean, oh, it it, so- it, I mean, it sounds like it. Yeah, and so uh, luckily, I'm a writer. So I sent out newsletters, and I created the same type of newsletter that I wrote for the raptor Center and okay. I sent out newsletters just telling stories about the birds and saying, "Here's what I need and if you'd like to be- make a donation, it would be great and people just sent me money
0: very good you yeah. you 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 you're good at that well nice.
1: <laughs> it, it it was a it was something I had to hone.
0: <laughs> I but I did set up.
1: I, I set up a five hundred one c three. So,
0: uh-huh. sure. uh huh. Sure. So people could not only donate money, they could make a tax deduction for it. Very good. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And uh, and somewhere along there, uh, you wrote a memoir about that experience. Uh, that was your first novel, wasn't it? Or it, would you call that a novel? I'm not sure. First book.
1: First, it it was my second book. Um, my first adult book, because there's this right,
0: the, the children's yeah.
1: book. Giant divide, but in the publishing world between children's right. books and adult books. Okay. So it was my first adult book, but it was a memoir, so it was nonfiction. Okay. And it was talking about my my f- basically fruitless quest for balance, <laughs> trying to raise my kids and and you know be around for them. At the same time running a wild bird hospital out of my house. And you know, a lot of it a lot of it was funny and a lot of it was sad. There's drama, there's there was just all you, know, you name it, you name it, the emotion, and it was in there.
0: I'm sure um, it
1: was. yeah, and eventually I I mean I I did that for for five years before I had a real flame out because you know, um, non nonprofit burnout is so common, and oh yes, you know, happens to everyone. And being a writer, I was able to chronicle my own burnout. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everything's material, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all relative. Yeah, so um, it was it was nice, and I, I honestly, I, I wrote it thinking I would just make some more money for my bird hospital, but sure. um, I. I, through connections, met a um, an agent, a wonderful literary agent, and he took this book and he set up an auction. He had seven publishers
0: bidding against each other. Oh my goodness! That's almost unheard of for first time author, first time author for an adult book, I would think. Yeah, this, yeah. This guy's got to be good, and you got to be good too. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was crazy. And I had been just living out in the middle of the woods, taking care of the birds and my kids for a long time. And suddenly there was this big sort of publishing frenzy. And I was taken aback, to say the least.
0: Very nice. (laughs) But it was great. So so you wrapped up your your work with your own center several years ago, it sounds like. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So are you still involved in bird rehab at all, or as a volunteer, or are you sort of out of that, uh, that, uh, avocation now? Well, I, um, I
1: was, I, I kept it going for a number of years and then eventually I sold my house. I needed my, I waited until my kids got out of high school and mm-hmm. then I sold the house. I had to take down my flight cages Right. And um, you know my kids were off, and and the place was too big, and uh, so I closed. I didn't have the facilities to actually have a clinic, to have a hospital, um, and I didn't right. have my flight cages. But once people get your phone number, <laughs> once mm-hmm. they know where you are, they will bring you birds, or they did for me, and uh, <laughs> so and I would get the calls. I didn't change my phone number because I felt you know i had this this feeling like well i i can't abandon all the birds altogether so i um i would take calls i would go on rescues and mm-hmm. i would get the bird and uh keep him overnight usually and stabilize him and then pass him on to another rehabber
0: that okay. you know, hour or so away sure well that sounds cool now yeah. uh, there's a a pretty big uh, birding blog, 10,000 Birds, uh, yeah. and you were a writer for them for several years. What what time frame was that? I forget. That was, it was after I had closed,
1: um, no, actually it was, I started while I still had my bird operation going. And so I would, I would tell bird stories uh, of some of the birds who came in. And the great thing about 10,000 Birds is I had I had my own little bird blog going that I had control. It was okay. like a little uh, WordPress blog. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I heard about 10,000 Birds and how you know, it was so big and it had all these writers. And, and I thought, you know, if I closed up my little bird blog and if I could somehow get into 10,000 Birds, I would have a way bigger audience. Sure. And I wrote to Corey and Mike... Who um, who run ten thousand birds? And right. I said, I'm not a birder. <laughs> I said I have to be up front with you. I just fixed them, and they just were so fabulous. They were so great, and they said, "Oh, you could just be you could be the bird rehabber
0: among the birders." So that's what I yeah. did. I read a couple of your posts. It was fun reading. Oh, but, good. So it's, it sounds like you know birds when you actually have a specific individual organism you know a bird in your hands or in your cage it's it's like a person i mean you know some of us are boring some of us are obnoxious (laughs) some of us are you know just mean little guys and others are lazy i mean i i'm sure you you uh you you found that same kind of thing with your patients
1: absolutely Uh, yes yes you hit the nail on the head they are all different. You know, it's funny that people think birds just, you know, they're like little flying robots and, and they don't really have personalities and they do. And they, you know, some of exactly. Sometimes the tiniest little bird has the most outsized personality and, you know, some of them are mellow, some of them want to kill you. And, you know, I, yeah. I, I've had really mellow, Red-tailed hawks, I mean, they're, they're kind of mellow to begin with, but some that were just so easygoing. And then I've had, like, you know, a chipping sparrow who wanted to kill
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fun i i got that feeling uh from reading your book i i downloaded on kindle i downloaded your last uh, novel unflappable and oh, i just okay. poured through it this weekend it was a fun read i i didn't have oh. expectations i just said i'm gonna talk to Susie on tuesday i should read one of her books and i did and it was quite good i was well, really pleased you. i you know a good you know all the things are kind of a uh you know Uh, mystery thriller sort of thing does with a little less killing and blood and gore, maybe. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, but most of the, most of the things that uh, a detective mystery sort of novel has. And, uh, and yet from a birder standpoint, you had some birding bird personalities and, Bird rehabber personalities, not so much birder personalities, but it was pretty cool. And there were some things that I I picked up on that bird personality thing. I, I definitely got that with your two bald eagles in the book, Mars, and what was the other? The Banshee. female's name, Banshee. Yes, I, it, got, it sounds like they're appropriately named for their personalities, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, that was fun. And uh, mm-hmm. I is the bird rehab community. Uh, anything like you make it out in your book where everybody knows each other and communicates all the time? Yes. Yes, it's just
1: like that. Yeah. Um the the novel I've just written it's a, you know, it is sort of a a thriller. It, it it's it's like Carl Hiaasen. I don't know if anyone's familiar mm-hmm. Carl Hiaasen writes these really funny stories that take place in Florida and he's He's an environmentalist, and everyone's chasing everyone else. And it's sort of like that, but then it's a road trip as well. And mm-hmm. the idea is uh, this young Seems. woman is trying to smuggle an adult bald eagle from Key West to Ontario, and she does it through an underground railroad of wildlife lovers. Most of them are rehabbers, but there are researchers, there's some falconers, are Are some Some, birders,
0: some Navy Seals.
1: (laughs) I mean, there's a Navy Seal who's a panther rehabber. (laughs) I throw everyone in there, but yeah, it was fun. It's true. I mean, rehabbers really—they all know each other. I know people all over the country, and I haven't—you know—most of them I've never met. I've never knit. I've never laid eyes on them. But we're all connected, and you know, if someone—if I'm in New York and You know, I, I know someone in Arizona who needs help with a, with an animal. I could just get on the internet and find an Arizona rehabber. Somebody will know somebody.
0: Right. Right. So, uh, it is, it is a community, uh, with the internet and all of the listservs and Facebook groups and Twitter feeds these days. I mean, it, you feel like, you know, somebody everywhere. It's true there's there some funny stories I've had just from just from this podcast which you know it's not you know I don't have millions of downloads every <laughs> every week or anything like that but uh one of my guests just recently uh, I went birding with some friends in South Texas I got out of the <sighs> rain here for a month and went to South Texas this winter and I <sighs> Uh, what, while I was there, at the, at the end of nine days of birding with two of my best birding buddies, we put up a podcast episode and uh, two women from the East Coast, Lane Epps and Corey Folsom O'Keefe, last second planning a trip to the Rio Grande Valley, found my name on eBird, looked at my profile, found that I had a podcast, listened to the podcast, used it as a guide for their trip down there, sent me an email, and I had them on as guests after that. It like, it's a small world. It's, uh, re- <laughs> That's really so fun. great. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, you, you, I honestly it feels like you can find anyone online these days. And uh, uh,
1: I love stories like that. That's just that's so good. Yeah.
0: It was really fun. Yeah. It's really fun. So yeah. uh, th- tell me, tell me about you know every, everybody. I don't know. I've dreamed of writing a book. I think a lot of people have thought they could. They could be a writer. Uh, yeah. But it, and if anyone could, if they actually did it and were good and had the persistence. And uh, But you've done it. You wrote a book with a, with a publisher, which is sort of the traditional way. And, yeah. you know, that was 20-ish years ago or so when you wrote that book, 15 or 20 years ago. Uh, and that was probably the more traditional way, that, pretty much how you did it in those days. But yeah. nowadays, you can self-publish a book. How, how did it come to be that you self-published this latest novel and... And Tell me about that process.
1: Well, uh, I I still have um, I have this wonderful agent who was really behind my novel Unflappable. He was um, he he really helped me kind of get the concept going and and figure out how to write it. And um, I was going to do the traditional publishing route, but it seemed the publishers wanted a certain type of book and unflappable just didn't fit into their n- niches you know hmm. they they it it wasn't easily categorized and they wanted a book that was just like it so that they could market it and oh. they all looked and they couldn't find a book just like it you'd think so, that would be a good thing <laughs> wouldn't you think i know if i were in silicon valley i unflappable would have been a hot ticket but um yeah in publishing no they don't want something uh, that's innovative they want something that's been done and has a you know
0: proven track record
1: yep so i figured well the heck with it i'm not going to you know keep banging my head against the wall i'll just do it myself and um in ways it's if you are good at computers and good at self-promotion and marketing, it would be very cool. If you are not, <laughs> it's it's a little bit more difficult. Um, I am I'm not so good at computers, and I can deal with a little bit of Facebook, but mm, Twitter is beyond me, and uh, you know this sort of non-stop being hooked to people like, like younger people do nowadays. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, yes. I'm not so good at that. So I, I hired a part-time publicist and she was wonderful because she helped me, you know, get the book onto these platforms. So much of it is, is getting, getting your book through the computer and onto platforms and, and getting mm-hmm. the right marketing strategy. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it was cool
0: to see it sort of blossom, but man, mm-hmm.
1: it, it is definitely a lot of
0: work. I, I bet it is. I bet it is. Yeah. And Plus, you don't have the editor and the proofreaders and those. I mean, I, I, th- I assume that a publisher does some of that, uh, you know, read oh. your thing, make suggestions. I mean, you must have had to rely on friends or colleagues or other authors or your own sense of what's the best to, to do that
1: yeah, um big publishers do, or just any publisher they have they have the editors. They'll design the book, they'll do the cover. They do pretty much pretty much everything, which which then falls on you. but at the same at the same time, um, I think the the cover is is really cool, and I had to sort of come up with it myself. i did I did hire a wonderful book design company. That's in mm-hmm. British Columbia. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they, it's called e-book launch and they're, they're great. And, uh, you know, I had this idea for a woman standing next to a car with an eagle and I gave them, you know, the designer, the idea and wow, he just ran with it and they put the whole book together. They format it, they get it ready with the, the files and okay, then you have so-
0: it chapter numbers and all of, I yeah. don't know, whatever so that you can navigate it electronically and i read it on kindle that's how i read these days and yeah it, it seemed to work just fine <laughs> <laughs> good
1: I'm, I'm glad to hear it
0: <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah. it's only been out a week so i'm glad oh I, oh i didn't know it was that new i had yes, no trouble new. finding it i had no trouble finding it. i went to amazon and bang it was right there
1: oh uh, good okay so that's yeah. good
0: yeah just googled. I can't even remember if I googled your. I think I googled your name and up it came. And there it Great! Was. Ah, the Easy system peasy. is working. <laughs> it works nicely. It works Good. nicely. So you have at least one sale. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, if I have anything to say about it, I'm. I, I'm going to encourage my friends to read this book. I thought it was a very delightful read. And uh, you know, these days, I'm. I spend a lot of time. I, I live. I live in a condominium on uh, by the. Waterfront in Tacoma, and spent a lot oh. of time staring out my windows these days because I'm oh. not supposed to go out, and uh, it's this COVID nineteen thing. Is just, uh, you know, I, you're pretty pretty close Gee. to a pretty bad area, as am I. So,
1: yeah, uh, but are, are can you go into parks? Can you go hiking at all?
0: You Where can, you can. You can, if you stay away from people, yeah. uh, the, a lot of the public parks, the parking lots are all closed. So you get any oh. popular enough to have a big parking lot. You can't yep. really go to unless you park and walk to it. But okay. I, I, I get up in the morning before the crowds come and I walk on the waterfront and it's fine. Okay. And, uh, there are, uh, fortunately we are blessed to be in a area with lots of good County parks that are not heavily utilized at all, especially in the week. Uh, And especially when the weather's not good, like it is here a lot of times this time of year. So I I get out and yeah, I went to Swan County Creek Park yesterday and it's maybe a mile by a half mile, pretty big space. And I think there were three or four people at it. We managed to keep a hundred yards apart without difficulty. (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) Did you see some good birds? (laughs) I did. I got my first of the year hermit thrush, which was very nice. Good for you. Yeah, so I'm I am a lister, I I I a year lister and a county lister and all other kinds of listers. So oh. I keep my I keep my list going, and that was a, a new tick for me for the county for the year. So that was nice. And oh, well. So, but it's it's just getting out. That's that's really super. So I enjoyed oh. that. Uh, yeah. So uh, what what's coming up for you in terms of promoting this book? What what uh, other than I mean, I don't have any idea. How do you promote a book? Well, I, I, you got to go on the Bird Banner podcast. That's one way. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's number one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, well,
1: I, you know, pre pre COVID nineteen and post COVID nineteen are two totally different worlds. So mm-hmm. um, the last the last time I had a book come out, which was Fly Away, I would. Um, uh, actually, my timing my timing tends to be a little dicey. The last time I had a book come out, it was right after the crash of two thousand eight. Oh. <laughs> I know, I know. And now, I think people should pay me not to write. But um, so I, I had a whole book tour that was scheduled, but then because of the you know the crash. They, right. they weren't sending people on such extended book tours. I had a smaller one around uh, New England. And mm-hmm. when I would go to a bookstore for a signing, I would get a hold of rehabbers who had a place nearby and ask them right. if they wanted to bring birds to the book signing. Oh, how cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Because then, you know, I could promote my book and I they could can say promote their
0: rehab center. Yeah.
1: You know, hey readers, look, you know, there are you have this wonderful rehab center that's right near you
0: and it would work for both of us. Very nice. I uh one of my uh, previous episodes was with the New York Audubon Society on their uh, Safe Safe Flights program. And I learned so much from Alex Israel. She's a volunteer for the Safe Flights program through the New York City Audubon Society. I learned about how many birds are injured in collisions with especially glass buildings and light pollution at night. It's really a problem in all the cities around the country. And, uh, and uh, I think a week after I had that episode up, uh, they New York uh, passed the, the law resolution, I don't know what they call it, regulation I guess, to uh, require safer bird safe windows on new skyscrapers yeah. that go up in the city. So I don't know how yeah. many new sky, how many new skyscrapers are going up, but I assume that'll count for any extensive rehabilitation when they replace windows and buildings or something too. So that, yeah, that was, that was awesome. Pretty, that that was, was cool to hear.
1: That was so cool when they did that that was that was a real victory it I mean, was i've, I've had I, you know i remember once getting a belted kingfisher from midtown manhattan sure Yeah. you know this bird had smashed into a window and somebody this incredibly good samaritan picked him up off the sidewalk and cl- somehow got a hold of me and climbed on a train with the bird in the box and brought him up oh my here.
0: goodness wow yep. Because yep. that's, that's got to be a half hour, 45 minute train ride up there.
1: No, it's an hour and almost an hour and a half. Oh, gosh. Okay. I mean, this okay. was a really good Samaritan.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're talking going a, a step above. That, that's yeah, pretty cool. I know. I know. Cool. I, I, uh, Central Park was when, when I lived. Uh, I I spent uh, four years at West Point, the military academy as a family doctor. Oh, and yeah. my wife at the time was a bird watcher. She got me into birding. And, oh, uh, her. we, uh, we would spend, uh, it, she worked in Manhattan and I lived at, I lived to West Point. So she would kept a small apartment at downtown. So she'd go down for a day and come back for a day. You know, she, she, so she'd travel one way each day during the week. Okay. And on Thursdays I would, I had the afternoon off, so I would, uh, go down there and spend the spend the night and come back early Friday morning to go to work. But those Thursdays and a lot of weekends when I go to the city, uh, we birded Central Park. And oh, what a, f- oh, just loved birding Central Park. It was just <laughs> such a treat. That green oasis in the concrete desert was really nice.
1: Oh, I just, yeah, I know birders go cr- so crazy in Central Park.
0: Or, yeah. or used to <laughs> probably oh, wow. oh, yeah you to do to. have to have to dodge the field hospital now I guess oh my oh goodness. boy yeah, yeah. another a, another a crazy change. time a yeah. crazy time it is that we live in uh, so uh, I'm gonna sort of wrap up with uh, asking you to to let readers uh listeners not readers readers I have a blog <laughs> too I guess readers too uh, let <laughs> listeners know how they can find your book and uh and uh, learn about your uh, well. passion. yeah Listeners may become readers. That'd be great. Um,
1: so uh, you can go on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, um, and you can find. Uh, look me up, Susie Gilbert, and uh, my latest book is Unflappable. Uh, before before all the bookstores started closing, it was going to be available in places like Wild Birds Unlimited, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, now things have changed. I, I guess we'll just wait until things get back to
0: normal again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But meanwhile, uh, online, order it online, have it delivered yeah. to your doorstep. Have some. Uh, uh, you can binge read Unflappable. That would That's be a good. Right. It took took me about two days. I I blew right through it. It's not a, a you know massively large book, but it's a, a good a good thorough read novel. It was really fun to do.
1: I good it. and yeah. if you you know if you need if you'd like to find out more about what rehabbers do um, you can you can go online and look up national wildlife rehabilitators association or okay. wildlife rehabilitation or anything like that there's a lot of there's a lot of information
0: online Okay. Yeah. Susie, I'm going to have you send me by email two or three good links for those type of things. And I'll add them okay. right, be- right below each episode where I publish my podcast. There's room for uh, podcast notes. And I'll make sure I put those there along with a link to buy your book on Amazon and things like that. Awesome. Uh, so maybe that will happen. Uh, but it was really, really nice to talk to you today, Susie. It was kind of fun to take a break from just a birder to somebody who's <laughs> not just a birder, but is also a bird rehabber and an author uh, and sounds like a a pretty interesting person to hear about. I've, I'll have to read your first book too. Is it still in print? do You know, or do you have to do you have to uh, find a used book for for your first uh, Yeah, memories? that's
1: not that one's out of print as well. So yep, you can find it on Amazon. Okay, <laughs> you can find I it in
0: sometimes used bookstores. Okay, but, well I will try to try to find that. That'll be a little more of a trick than getting the Kindle version uh, yeah. of your latest one. But not to, not to be deterred, I will find it. Anyway, thank, Susie, thanks for being on. I appreciate your time today. Stay safe and uh, maybe get out, do a little birding. It's a, it's a good, safe habit, hobby to do these days. You get out in the morning before people are up and
1: no Absolutely.
0: Around. Ed, it was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, thank you, Susie. Well, that wraps up the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 55 with Susie Gilbert. I had a blast talking to Susie. It was fun to learn some new things. I think about birding all the time, but bird rehab, not something that crosses my radar very often. I bring specimens to uh, Peter Wurmberger up up at the museum here at UPS from time to time when I find a dead bird, but... Finding birds that need rehab, not something that I've thought about a whole lot, uh, but I learned a lot about that today. It was really fun. Also found a great new book that I read last weekend. Hope you'll find it and enjoy it too. Uh, it was really a great time. I also, right after I finished recording the episode, got on the Amazon and found a used copy of Susie's children's book, Hawk Hill, having that sent off to my grandniece, Morgan for, um, Martha. Morgan's her mom grandniece Martha for her first birthday, so she'll have a bird rehab book. Along with Al Moon, I sent her, too, so she'll have a bird book, too. So she'll be introduced properly her dad uh is a wildlife biologist so she'll know all of this long long before i ever did when i was a kid i'm sure but anyway that should be fun uh please leave a review uh on apple podcast or google play or spotify or stitcher wherever you get your podcast feeds leave a rating and review that really uh helps out with me uh knowing what you're thinking and also helps uh move the bird banner podcast up in the uh Podcast world. So I appreciate it. Uh, y'all enjoy yourselves. Try to find a little bit of time for birding in this difficult time we're facing with the COVID uh, 19 epidemic. So until next time, good birding. Good day. You're welcome. Take care now. Bye-bye.